to everyone. Thank you guys for being with us this morning. So glad you joined us. If you can't tell, we're trying to tell the Christmas story in as many ways as we can. Right? The story is so good. It's so big. It's so important uh, that you have to find different ways to say it. You can't just say it in one way because it doesn't quite do it justice. So from drama to song to preaching to decorations, right? we're just trying to tell the greatest story. Uh, ever told the story of Christmas. Hopefully you've been blessed and encouraged this morning. Thanks to Mackenzie for the drama. Did a great young Mary. Thanks to the Teeters for helping us with the Advent candle. If we meet our year-end budget, we'll buy some new lighters, Dale, <laughs> just for you. But uh, Monday nights, man, we probably have 100 kids in a WANA program, learning the Bible, memorizing the scriptures. And you know who's there helping every Monday night? The Teeters. They're there watching those kids, listening to the other verses, uh, they're an incredible blessing to this church. So thank you guys for leading us in that way. Sounds like you've had Christmas in a lot of places, uh, but we're glad that you're in this place. Welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. Met some visitors this morning in the foyer. Great to have you. Or if it's your first time in a long time, you are our honored guest this morning here at West Bowles. Uh, our goal, our hope as a church is really to live out the words written above this stage. We want everyone in this church and everyone in this city to love God and to love others. And we believe when, when that happens, we will start to experience life as God intended for it to be experienced. And so everything we do, from the children's programming happening downstairs right now, to the revamped coffee bar, to the choir, everything in between, it's all designed to help you do those two things, to share the love of God in Christ. Uh, and hopefully you're starting to see and feel that love at this time of year. Uh, this morning, we're in the second part, our second week of a, a four-part sermon series entitled, He Shall Be Called. And in this series, we are looking at a little Old Testament passage that was actually written 700 years before Jesus was even born. But that little passage tells us a lot about that little baby. So I'm excited to jump into the second title of this one. Let me pray for us as we dive into the word. God, would you open our hearts and our minds in the next few moments? Would you help us to see and know your son by name? And would that name change us? Make it so. In Jesus we pray. Amen. I have a friend out in Dallas who refuses to call me by my real name. Uh, every time I talk to him, every time I call him, every time I see him, it's always T-Dog, T-Money, T-Fizzy, T-Bone, Ice-T, T-Town, T-Tops. It's a different title and a different nickname every single time. And every once in a while, I'll just call him for, the, you know, for no reason, just for the heck of it, because I just want to hear what the newest nickname would be that he has come up with for me. We all have a name, and most of us all have a nickname, a different title, a couple of other names that we might be called. It's fun and fascinating to learn how you got those nicknames or why certain people call you that. But the saying that is true for us is also true for God. See, we all know that the baby lying in the manger, we all know that he had a name. His name was Jesus. And it's a great name, isn't it? In fact, there's no other name that's sweeter than that name. There's no other name, the Bible says, by which men will be saved. And at the name of Jesus, we learn every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is truly Lord. What a name. And that name, that name of Jesus, it should do to us what the name Mufasa did to the hyenas in The Lion King. Right, you remember that scene? The one hyena says the, the king's name to the others. She's like, ooh. Say it again, say it again. That's exactly what the name of Jesus should do to us. That name has power and authority. It's unlike every other name. But did you know that hundreds of years before he was given that name, hundreds of years before we knew him as Jesus, he was actually given several other names. Call them middle names or surnames or call them nicknames. But in Isaiah 9, 
we learn that, that God, that Jesus, has several different names. See, in that passage, the prophet tells us he's got four other names. And those names give us incredible insight into who this baby is and, and what he came to do. Let me show you this passage. Isaiah 9, beginning verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Hang on now with me. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot that's been used in battle, every garment that's been rolled in blood, it will be destroyed. It's destined for burning. It'll be fuel for a fire. Because for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. All the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, the people in Isaiah's day, the people who first received these words, the people who first heard these words, they lived in a world that was very similar to our own. They lived in a world that was, that was at war. There was a lack of unity within the nation. There was a lack of hope amongst the people, a lack of faith within the church, a lack of wisdom amongst the leaders. Judah looked just like us. And instead of listening to the critics, instead of listening to the nightly news, instead of listening to the experts, God says, I want you and I need you to listen to me right now because I have a message for you. And this message is going to speak into your mess. This message is going to speak into your madness. And it's a message that can do the same for us. And the message was this. God is going to overcome death through a brand new life. He was going to put an end to wars through a baby in a womb. He was going to destroy hostility, wait for it, through the nativity. Okay, you still don't. Okay, anyway. He was going to overcome what was happening down here in the world by actually coming down into the world. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This child, this son, this baby, this is God's answer to the question. This is God's solution to the problem then and near now. And here's why. Here's how that works. Yes, his name is Jesus, but he's got a couple other names. And you need to know this guy by name. He's got a couple nicknames, if you will, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he wants you to call him by name. Now, I'm not saying that you should call him J-Dubs or Big J or J-D-Z. I don't know, you know, if you call Jesus those, it might be a little awkward. But you have every right to call him these nicknames. You have every right to call him by these names. Because when you come to know him by these names, everything changes. Your relationship with him changes, but so does your relationship with everybody else. Hopefully you saw this last week at the first name on the list, Wonderful Counselor. If you weren't here for that message, I encourage you to go back online, listen to that message. And here's why. Statistics say that only one in four Americans see a mental health advisor or a therapist, a counselor. But, but the fact is we all need counsel, don't we? We're all a little crazy, all a little cuckoo. We all need help, guidance, support. And God says, I am the Wonderful Counselor. The one whose understanding of your problems goes way beyond your understanding. And so we turn to him. We look to him for counsel. 
And this morning, we move away from that name, but we take what we learn from that name and we bring it into the next name, into the second name on Isaiah's list, the name Mighty God. Whenever I think about the word mighty, I always think back to a show that I watched as a kid. A world's strongest man competition, for some reason, was on at 3.30 back in Albuquerque. So I'd come home from school and I'd watch this show on ESPN. Anybody else ever see, see the world's strongest man competition? A few of us out there had nothing better to do with our lives, so we watched this show. Well, I remember being utterly amazed at the strength and power of the men in this show. With names like Igor Vukovukovic, Havbor Vunis. And Hans, muscle mass, manly man. These guys, right? I mean, these guys, they would pull buses around. They would lift tractors. They'd bench press small cars. I mean, I'm kind of like these guys. I've ridden in a bus. I've seen a tractor. And I own a car. (laughs) Same difference. But despite the fact that it doesn't take much to surpass the muscle mass that God has given to me, I was amazed at these men. I was amazed at their mighty power. But if you really want to see a mighty man, if you want to be amazed at a guy's power and strength, well, you've got to see this. Take a look at this picture. Whoa! No? Not feeling it, huh? I mean, look at that guy. He is ripped. Eh? Nothing? He is swole up. Is that how you say it, Steve? Swole? I don't even know how you describe muscle man terms, because look at me. Right? You guys aren't that impressed with this baby, I can tell. Right? You're not all excited about his strength or his might. And here's why, because most of us don't associate strength and might and power. We don't associate all of that with this. It's kind of the opposite, isn't it? And yet Christmas challenges all of that. It challenges all of that way of thinking, and here's why. Take a look at Psalm 19 with me. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. The world speaks without a sound or a word. Its voice is never heard, yet its message has gone throughout the earth. Their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant groom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run a race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from the heat and the power and the might of the sun. All right, now hang with me for a second. See, every great painting, even the bad ones for that matter, but every great painting points to a painter. Every sculpture points to a sculptor. Every photo points to a photographer. Everything that has been created points to a creator. And Psalm 19 says not only does it point to its creator, it proclaims its creator's might and power. And Psalm 19 tells us that you want to see a mighty God? Well, just look around at this earth. Take a look at this video.
That's a great trailer right there. I've already seen it, and I want to go see that movie again, man. But I love that line, this spring, this spring, no, no, this Christmas, open your eyes to the wonder and the power and the might. And not just to the earth, but how about we take it one step further? Not just to the creation. How about we open our eyes to the wonder, the power, and the might of the creator? Think about the one who made that. Think about how much stronger he is. Now, if you lived out in Needles, California, a small town on your way between here and Malibu, if you lived out there, anyway, Needles, California, it it got its name from the fact that the temperature in that place feels like hot needles on your skin. Okay, you don't want to go to Needles, California, but let's say you find yourself in Needles, California. If you live there or from there, well, then you could probably argue, and I might agree with you, that there is no creator. Based upon your surroundings, it'd be like, yeah, I don't know what happened here. This is one big accident. And I'd be like, you're probably right. But not in Colorado. And come on, not here. Not on the edge of the Rocky Mountains. And not even in Needles, California, because from the soil to the solar system, from particles to mountain peaks, creation declares, it screams out loud that there is a mighty creator. There is a mighty God behind all of this. You think that's something, wait till you see him. There is a mighty God. Now, with all that in mind, look at Colossians 1 with me. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, every single thing you just saw in that video, every single one of them holds together. I love what Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun radiates God's glory, expresses the character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty command that he ushers. So, okay, wait a second here. You mean, you mean to tell me that, that that little baby over in that manger scene, he's actually the one that created everything there is? You mean to tell me that that little baby lying in the dirt, he's the power by which God brought Adam and Eve to life out of the dirt? You mean to tell me that little baby sleeping over there underneath that cute little star, he's the one that calls out every star by name every single night? It's the same guy? Yep. Same one. The mighty God who made all of the cosmos. Shh. He's asleep over in the corner. The mighty God who made the cosmos. He's over there asleep in the corner. I mean, think about this with me, guys. Although, I mean, it looks like that baby is powerless, right? It looks like he is helpless. It looks like there is no might or strength in him at all. Yet that is about as far from the truth as possible. I mean, a host of angels proclaims the birth of this child. We have leaders from all over the world coming to pay homage to this child. Mary didn't even have sex, yet just gave birth to this child. Don't you think there's something special about this child? Don't you think there's something different about this child? Well, of course there's something different. And Isaiah and John and Paul and all the biblical writers, they tell us what that difference is. Why he's so special. He is God. He's the fullness of God. He's the exact representation of God. He's the dwelling place of the glory of God. He is the mighty God. The one who made all of that out there, he's with us right here. That God. He's that little guy. And he's with us right here, right now. Reminds me of the time that the singer-songwriter Jewel uh, came into the little restaurant that I worked at at New Mexico. She has been and always will be one of my favorite celebs. 
I love to he- look at her. I love to listen to her. Jewel. Man, what could have been? What could have been? <laughs> and not to brag or anything, but I served her a cinnamon roll one time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Buttery, gooey. It's like, here you go, Jewel. And I think she touched my fingertip just a little. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. All right, well, there was another waitress that actually had her at the table. So the other waitress got to take her order, got to take her coffee, chatted with her a bit. So afterwards, I go up to this other waitress, and I said, how was it waiting on Jewel? And the other waitress says, who? That, that, was, that was Jewel. Like, top 10 recording artist, billboard charts, movie star, supermodel, Jewel. And the waitress says this, eh, I didn't notice anything special. And she went and got another cup of coffee. Nothing special. But this morning, I want to make sure that that very same thing doesn't happen to us as it pertains to Jesus. See, Jewel's one thing. But when you look at Jesus, I don't want you to think, eh, nothing special. You can't miss this. You can't just move on from this. You've got to get this. This little baby is, for all intensive purposes, the strongest man in the world. You know why? He's the one who made the world. Top that, Igor Vukovukovic. This is as strong as it gets. Now, I know it's hard to grasp. I know it's hard to explain. But the God who holds the waters of the Pacific in his hands is also the same one who's got a little pacifier in his mouth. The same God who imagined up sunsets. He's snoozing in that bassinet. That little guy, he is God. He is the power, the force, the presence, the might of God. But you're probably thinking, but really? I can look at that. No, no, no. That's not powerful. That's not mighty. That's not strength. That's cute and cuddly. That's feeble and helpless. I mean, if God wanted to make his power known to the world, then why not bring the house? I mean, why not remove all doubt and show up like one of these guys? Why not come to earth like this? Like, I'm God. Deal with it. Right? Why not come like that? Why not come into the world lifting cars and throwing animals and bench-pressing tanks? I mean, that's mighty, right? That's how we define it. It's a yielding of power, a display of great strength, a demonstration of brute force. Come like that, God. Prove to me that you're mighty. Don't come like a baby. That's weak. Well, don't worry. God God could have easily come in that way. And in fact, he kind of did several times throughout history. Ask Moses, ask Isaiah, ask Paul. God showed up a few times throughout Scripture, and he revealed himself to them in some pretty powerful ways. But you know what happened in each of those situations? Everybody freaked out or passed out. When you see God like that, you freak out or you pass out. Because the fullness of God's glory, the sheer power of his presence, the enormity of his existence, it's too big for you. It's too much for you. See, some of you need to learn this morning, God is not a little puppy gnawing at your heels trying to get your attention. He's the creator of the cosmos, You need to pay attention to him. It's not the other way around. It's the mighty God of the universe. And if he wanted to come and blow us away, he could have. He would have. Like mighty muscle men, he could have exerted his power and his might in ways that would have destroyed us, that would have devastated us. But it's clear he's got a different goal in mind. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want to impress you. He wants to invite you invite you in to a relationship. He doesn't just simply want to show you something. He wants to save you from something and save you for something. He doesn't want to blow you away. He wants to bring you closer. That's why he comes the way that he did. 
2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, the God who made the sun and all the cosmos, he has made his light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Christ. The God who said, let there be light, the power of the sun, wants that power to be in you, wants that light to be in you. See, the God who made the face of the earth, he took on a face so you could see his face. The God who brought life to the universe took on a little life because he wants to give you life. The God who said, let there be light and brought peace to the chaos and purpose to the void, he came to illuminate your life and bring you purpose and to bring you peace. Don't be fooled. That little baby in the manger, that's the mighty God of the universe. That's as strong as it gets. That's the same one who proved he was more powerful than Pharaoh's magicians. That's the same guy who showed he was more powerful than 450 prophets of Baal. That's the same guy who proved he was more powerful than all the kings and Caesars throughout all of time. That's him. That's God. That's the mighty God of the universe. That little guy, he's that guy. But here's the thing. See, in, in coming like that, in choosing to manifest his might in that way, Jesus is taking all of the power, all of the strength, all that is God, all that we read about from the first page of Scripture all the way to the last page. He's taking that, that might and he's making it accessible to us. He's making it available to us. Jesus, in coming in this way, is taking the, the might of God, which would normally overpower you, which would normally overwhelm you, and he brings it to give to you. He brings it so it can be with you. He more or less packages his power in a peaceful way. Do you understand that? He's packaging his power. The creator of the cosmos is now in little baby Christ. Why? Because he's still the same God. He's still the same power, but he wants to give it to you. He wants the power not to hurt you, but to help you. Make sense? All right, all right. We need, a, we need an analogy. We need an object lesson. Let's see if I can't explain it. Let's say God's might and God's power are represented by this little flashlight. This thing is bright. All right, let there be light. Just don't shine it in my eyes, Thomas, right? So let's say this represents God's might. Well, it's too intense for us. We can't look directly at it. It would hurt us. Got to see my notes here. Right? This is God's power. This is God's glory in all of its wonder. And yet it's too much for us. We have to turn away from it. That's exactly what happens when you stand in God's presence. He's too pure, too holy, too wonderful, too powerful to look at. He made everything that's out there. He's the epitome of light and beauty and truth and love, and he resonates all of it. It's shining nonstop for all of eternity. But here's the problem. God not only wants you to look at this light, he wants you to love this light. The problem is it's hard to love something you can't look at. He doesn't want you just to look at it. He wants you to love it, but it's hard to love it when you can't look at it. Are you with me? So, so what do you do? How would God take this light and connect it to us? How would he shine it so that it doesn't hurt us? How would he give it to us so it doesn't cause us to, to turn away? Jesus. The answer is Jesus. You shine the light through something, on something, some sort of filter, some sort of screen. And it doesn't change the nature of the light. It doesn't change the power or the essence of the light. This is still God's glory. But when you shine it on something else, it changes the way you see that something. Now, watch this. When I, when I shine this on that disco ball up there, it changes it completely. And now you can look at it. Now you can enjoy it. Now it's something wonderful. When I shine it straight in your face, it's not that wonderful. It's still the power and the might and the glory of God. 
but it's too much for us to handle. But when I shine it on the disco ball, it makes sense. So church, you heard it here first. Jesus is God's disco ball. <laughs> yes! Yes! We finally have a purpose for the disco ball. We were wondering how to use it. Hello, it's Jesus. Right? The light hasn't changed. The light is still powerful. It's just being reflected back to us in a different way. The light isn't any less than it was when it created the sun, but, but, but now it's able to be seen by God's sons and his daughters. See, when you shine it on Jesus, when you shine God's light through Jesus, you see parts of that light that you've never seen before. You start to see God's glory, his wisdom, his grace, his truth, his power, his love, his mercy, his holiness, his forgiveness. You start to see them and you start to enjoy them because they don't overwhelm you. They actually help you to overcome. With me? Does that make sense? It's still the light. It's still let there be light. It's still the sun. It's still the power. It's still the creator God. But now it's given to you in a way that will bless you. Now it's given to you in a way that will help you, in a way that will heal you. So what does this mean for us? Let me suggest a few things, and we'll call it a morning. As the wonderful counselor, Jesus is the wisdom of God to help you make a plan. But as the mighty God, Jesus is the power of God to help you carry out that plan. He's the wisdom of God, but he's also the power of God. So at Christmas, God is giving you the best gift he can give. He's giving you the greatest thing he knows how to give. He's giving you the gift of himself, which means he's giving you the gift of wisdom. It's now at your disposal. He's also giving you the gift of his power, which is also at your disposal. See, Jesus, as the choir saying, he's called Emmanuel. He's God with us, not God over us. Not God removed from us, not God beyond us, God with us, the wise, the mighty, the great God of the universe, he's here. He's right next to you. He wants to be close to you. You come as a muscle man if you want to kind of distance people from yourself. You come as a baby if you want to draw them closer. And that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to draw you closer. So he comes as a baby. So let's think about this for a second. Okay, if, if God, if he's mighty enough to create the heavens and the earth, then don't you think he's mighty enough to help you find your place on this earth? If God is mighty enough to make, make sense out of things like gravity and, and astrophysics, then don't you think he's mighty enough to make sense out of the chaos in your world? If God is mighty enough to bring life to a lifeless universe, then don't you think he's mighty enough to bring life to you, abundant life, eternal life? If God is mighty enough to fix and forgive and figure out the cosmos, don't you think he's big enough to fix and figure out and forgive you? If God is mighty enough to shape the heavens, then don't you think he can soften a heart? Of course he is. He's the only one who can. And not only can he, but he wants to. That's why he came. If he wanted you to be afraid of his power, if he wanted you to just stand in awe of his power, if he wanted you to be destroyed by his power, if he wanted you to be overwhelmed by his power, then he comes like this. But he wants you to be blessed by his power. He wants you to tap into his power. He wants you to find life through his power. So he comes like that. This singular act proves that God wants to share his power. It proves that he wants you to know and embrace and experience his power. It proves that he wants you to enjoy his power. 
See, he's not only the strongest man in the world, he's the God who entered into the world so you could find your place in this world. That's why he came. I read the story of a mom who decided to feed leftovers to her two young boys. She gave the six-year-old the remaining portion of the tortellini, which upset the eight-year-old boy because that was the best option available. Well, the mom thought that she'd try reasoning with the older son, Jeremy. Jeremy, what, what do you think Jesus would do in this situation? She expected him to say, like, share, give it away, serve his younger brother, whatever. Jeremy looked at the pasta and he said, Jesus would make more. <laughs> See, the boy understood what it meant for Jesus to be the mighty God. He understood what it meant for Jesus to be the strong God who was available to make more, to bring life, to feed us, to give us life. He knew what it meant to have a God who could supply him with the things he wanted and needed. And I hope that you will see Jesus as this mighty God as well. He is the one who can give to you what you so desperately need right now. And I totally need one thing. <laughs> a lot of us need something more, don't we? And guess what? That baby over there who wants you to draw close to him, well, he wants you to look to him to find exactly what you need because he's able to give it because he's the mighty God. The old hymn says, this is my father's world. It's a great line, isn't it? And we'll look more at that title next week as we look at the nickname of Jesus, Everlasting Father. Let's pray that this name would stick with us. Father, you are a great God that you want to be known by name. You could have remained distant. You could have remained so far off, God. I mean, you created the heavens and the earth. You could just chill out in the cosmos and never, never come see us. And yet you didn't do that. You came as close as you possibly could. And that's because you want us to know you. You want us to see you. You want us to love you. And we thank you, God, that you presented your power to us in a peaceful way. Because you could have overwhelmed us. You could have caused us to, to shudder and to turn away from you. Because your power and your beauty and your glory and your holiness are too much for us to take. And yet you chose to package it in this little baby in this peaceful way because you want us to see it, to know it, to love it, to enjoy it. And so we pray, God, if, if the Jesus is our disco ball doesn't make any sense, God, or if that is upsetting to you, we apologize, but we just think it works. He is this light that illuminates our world in ways that nobody else does. And so we pray, God, that this church and every person here, whether they're first time or they're 1,000th time here, that they would see your light and that it would shine in their hearts in a new and fresh way this week and this season. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you have an absolutely amazing day. Don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out. We will see you again very soon. God bless. Be strong and courageous.